Welcome to the Dead Format, aka MTGO Decklists. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my Power Hour co-partner, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy and drink. And we're in the same room for the first time since we started, and I'd like to thank Brian Bradshaw for winning the raffle to take our cast over, because he had the wonderful idea of, why don't you guys just drink a lot while you talk about the deck list and i feel like i'm productively drinking so i want to let everybody know ian has a 12 pack of miller light it's cold unfortunately we're working on it we're working on it and i have a 12 pack of white claw and i just want to let everybody know that i'm just doing this because tonight is just going to be a shit show I don't want to waste any of my good beer that I only have one or two of <laughs> that's classy. I needed to go right to the tropical fruit flavored White Claw. Right now I have a watermelon. It's just for the meme value, too. <laughs> it's a, it's actually quite quite refreshing as well. It's but, not bad. Yeah, I have to admit. But yeah, this was a great idea. Brian Bradshaw, the, the power hour was an A plus idea. The non editing was a B plus idea, I would say. I, I'm still not sure. Is is Brian like an Antifa member or something? Is he trying to cancel us? Like, no, no, it's, it's get us not, drunk and say some shit. It's not like that. I just I think our our Discord. Every time we had a really major reaction about something funny we said that got cut, <laughs> we're like, listen, everybody, we want to hear this. But I have a feeling that it's going to be like like seatbelts being invented for cars. There's this big argument that seatbelts being invented yeah. for cars didn't actually change the safety because now people just drive faster because of the implied safetiness of the seatbelt. I have a feeling the illusion, yes, that we're just going to we're going to not push the boundaries because we know we're not editing. If that makes sense. But maybe the white claw is going to take over and this will be our last episode. Who yeah, knows? I mean, I'm going to be cognizant for the first half hour, at least, of not saying anything over the line you know so this cast needs to definitely go over a half an hour yeah well once i get sloppy like who knows what'll happen i actually had a gym mean on the way here so we're we're rocking this boat we're going we're going in the right direction <laughs> all right so to give everybody a heads up of what we're doing today we are going to start off with my least favorite thing to do as ian talked about with the lead-in we're going to go over the the deck dump first we're going to talk a little bit about miracles by the end Brian had quite a few great questions that he wanted us to go through, but um, I'm going to finish up this White Claw on crack number two. Yeah, so we've been neglecting deck dumps. Two weeks ago, it was just Merritt and I, and we went a little long, so we didn't have time to do it. Last week, we skipped it in anticipation of this week. So there's been a lot of stuff happening, honestly. There's been a lot of crazy shit in the deck dump. There is Urza lists have really popped up in the past three weeks. Every week there's been at least two in the deck dumps. And we actually had a request. Someone else requested that we talk specifically about the Urza lists and which one we think might be the strongest. So that's been on the back burner for a while. And then this week was just like the craziest deck dump I think that we've seen since we started this show. And that includes the first deck dump after Deathrite Shaman. That includes the deck dumps when Arclight Phoenix was was popping, when Dreadhorde Arcanist was popping. This is just this is just chaos, bro. Yeah, I think this first deck list in the deck dump this week describes <laughs> that perfectly. I saw a screenshot 
of Anorag attacking with a humility in play. Hold on. Bless you. Okay. That's going to get edited out. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, that won't be edited out. I do want to say we're not going to do any editing except quality of life editing. Like scrubbing some noise from the background if Ian and I both have to get up to go to the bathroom because we drank too much. That will be edited out. If we throw up, that will stay in <laughs> because you all want it. But that sneeze. Yeah. Okay. So we have a four color miracles build leaning on Arkham's Astrolab Ren and Six. Four Ren and Six. Four Ren and Six. And like the the standard miracle suite. It would almost be like you just threw a humility four Ren and Six and four Astrolab into a Miracles deck and then adjusted the mana base. Yes, yeah, so this is one Terminus, but it still has two Verdicts, so we're talking about three Wraths. This is hard blue-white control splashing for a green-red two-drop. So this is a little bit like when you're drafting M20 and you take a bunch of Cloudkin Seers and then you get the red-green gold card. Yeah, and sort of using Ren to power through lonely sandbars yeah, and picking them up and cycling them. I When I originally saw this list, I was looking through the mana base for some of the Shocklands, some of the yeah. uh, pay, pay life or you can pay the mana second draw card. And having the lonely sandbar not take up your land drop for the turn, but still being able to get an extra card out of it's got to be huge. Bro, did you see my show notes on that? Uh, no, I actually you Look do at- you do such a great job doing the show notes every week. I want to admit to you live that I barely look at them. Yeah, look at my oh, what I wanted to discuss. Look at that. You were perfect. Yeah. So when I thought about this deck, I was like, "Well, this is cool because you can you can play." Uh, horizon canopy like a, a white uh shock land or whatever it's called yep and fiery islet the blue red one and basically get ren for free just take some damage off your mana base but then also get to be drawn cards off of it but that's not the direction that anurag went and i can actually kind of understand this after playing ren in a deck that was sometimes sideboarding out the delvers and going into more of a control role is you like playing those canopy lands to draw a card uses your land drop and you want to be hitting your land drops. So I think Lonely Sandbar, as bad as it is, and how it kind of just eats up a spot in the deck, because I think it is necessary in this list. You know, I think it's better than a, a Canopy Land, actually. I, I think I absolutely agree, because, again, this deck does want to make its land drops. And having Astrolab and Sandbar gives you, gives you quite a bit of ability to churn through your deck as well. I don't know what the effective count of hitting your Rens is for this deck, but with Ponders and Brainstorms and Astrolabs and Cycling Lands, it it makes those four Rens feel like a lot more. Yeah, I I don't remember some chat where somebody credited uh, Rugved with the Lonely Sandbar. Yep. And I really like that that sort of invention. And I wonder if it leans on like the Modern Horizons Limited too, because that was like a big thing going on there was Lonely Sandbar with like Astrolabe. Yep. That sort of stuff. And it's just crazy to see that many. Because what do we have in here? We have Ren, Astrolabe, Lonely Sandbar, uh, Prismatic Vista. Just a lot of Modern Horizons cards, right? We do. Oh, and Veil of Summer and Cyborg. Which is crazy to see a blue-white deck splashing Veil of Summer. But that card has seen a ton 
of super powerful sideboard play in all of the leagues that we've seen. So what percentage meme would you say this deck is? Uh, 95, but somehow the ability to win with it is still there. Obviously, it's a very strong player playing a core of a deck that they feel very comfortable with, but the idea that mana is so so easy right now to take whatever you're doing and make it four colors just doesn't seem like that much of a drawback with Prismatic Vista and Astrolab and Renin 6 really being the engine behind that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you. I just wonder with the Veil of Summer, like if it's actually the card that they want, right? Well, what else what else would it be? <sighs> Carpet of Flowers? I don't know. Would give you a little bit of extra mana ramp, but it doesn't seem like this deck really wants to go big on mana. No, just protection for the games when you have to lean on your duels. Because this is still a five-duel deck, right? And it you, is. You have to play the, the Lonely Sandbars. Uh, hopefully you're not ever putting them into play, but in case you do. I can see you getting stuck, getting actually wasted. Whereas for so long, Miracles wasn't wasteable. That I feel like there actually is a potential to you know need to fetch a Volcanic Island with this deck. Because you're, you're hoping to get your turn to Ren. Yep. And then ended up getting Wastelanded. Yeah, I think the five basics with all of the fetches seems like a solid enough number, especially with the Astrolab. Yeah. I I feel like in decks like this, and especially the four-color, uh, no-white version of the Ren deck, people probably don't counter the Astrolab enough. And I haven't seen enough games play out, but that card really makes the mana work. I've been so, wondering about countering the Astrolab, yeah. Like, you don't know... Well, I guess you do. Well, I think now, if you see somebody yeah. playing Astrolab, you can assume they're four-color and that their mana base is kind of greedy. True. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. So the next list was Star Barrel. Oh, really? You didn't want to talk about Slivers? So, I mean, we can. What What is there to talk about other than the fact that you were right about Unsettled Mariner? Uh, Plated Sliver. Plated Sliver. So this is the new addition. Like, honestly, I was thinking about how Plague Engineer has been ah. absolutely dumping on the tribal decks. We haven't really seen elves in a while. Uh, it's a huge addition to the metagame, and like those things are just sort of going away. And I thought, oh, it feels so bad for Slivers. And then I look at this list, and it seems like Plated Sliver, which wasn't in the list before, is a kind of workaround to, to uh, the Engineer, right? Like, it pumps up the back end for one mana. Yeah. But it gives you extra effects to be able to get your slivers above where they just all die from it. Yeah. So I I felt like it was interesting enough to talk about. Okay, so do you remember when Mariner first came in and Cloud Shredder Sliver? We talked about how they were not on four muscle sliver anymore. There were Yes, there, there were, were two. Only six lords as opposed to the eight, like four sinew four muscle now it's down to four sinew and then zero to two muscle in the slivers list we've seen so i feel like the mana curve is a consideration and having extra one drops that get the toughness either a out of bolt range or b just giving the back end a pump for um giving the back end a pump to get them out of range of plague engineer actually i don't know where i'm going with that this is the part that would usually be edited out because Ann made a comment and I can't respond to it. Uh, That's still a good surpri- point. It still surprises me that we wouldn't see just four muscle sliver before we saw the first plated sliver. But so maybe maybe that's also a response to the Ren decks mostly playing lightning bolt, 
Like Ooh. having having a plated sliver get your what would it get? Um it gets something out of bolt range, I'm sure. I don't know what. Never mind. Well, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just to be able to go like Lord Lord into turn three. Yep. You know, as opposed to just only being able to I got you. Alright, now. You want to talk about the Star Barrels list? Yeah, Daryl Star Barrel. This is fucking this is Tess, right? Yep. Two defense grid main, which, you know, that's kind of like a, a meta call, right? But three Mox Opal. Have you ever seen that? Mm, kind of. I've seen Bryant, Bryant Cook experiment with one or two. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen three. Three is is pretty heavy. Like, four Chrome Mox, three Mox Opal is leaning really heavy on this artifact. Yeah, and there's no Cabal uh, Ritual, so... Yeah, no Cabal Ritual, no... Uh, like Four. artifact yeah. lands. I mean, I feel like three Mox Opal with only 17 total artifacts is leaning really heavily on the Mox Opal actually being able to make mana. Yep. And obviously I haven't played a game with this deck, but I would be worried that quite a bit of the time these Mox Opals would be dead in openers. And a deck like this probably wants to be able to make a move early as TES usually does. Yeah, I mean, just statistically speaking, you're unlikely to be able to use that on turn one. You know? Yes. I mean, you're somewhere in the 30s, to closing in on 40%, but less than 50% for that Opal to be on turn one. So it really surprised me. Yeah. Obviously, this person 5-0'd. So, you know, maybe this defense grid in the main is indicating that this just isn't trying to turn one as often as, as Tess typically would, right? Yeah, and then I would... I would consider whether or not that would be the best combo option to go to. Like, with four Chrome Mox, three Mox Opal, it seems like there's a very good percentage of the time that you have to run out your Chrome Mox without exiling anything to turn on your Mox Opal to make mana. You get a little bit of extra storm from that, but if your Mox Opal was a ritual, then you would have the option of just exiling it to the Chrome Mox and it would make mana anyway. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know exactly how that plays out in real life, but... This um, could have been just fucking around in 5 0 you know? Yep. That you know that happens. It yeah. doesn't happen to me, but it, it happens to some people. We have to play leagues for it to happen. That's true. The Echo Eons in the sideboard too. I like that. Like having the Burning Wish, yep. Lion's Eye Diamond interaction with that. I feel like Echo probably has a, a deserving spot in a wish board, even in the standard test version. So hundred percent. So there's that. Yeah, f- full agree. I mean, this is this is the Red of Flame deck, right? Yep. So you can do a lot of turn one shit. You can really stick people with sevens that they didn't want to keep. They don't have a chance to mulligan, even if you, that's all you're getting out of it. Yep. You know, just a land drop and a turn one echo. Worth it, I guess. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about Star Barrel's list. And I kind of separated this uh, in my notes into, like, quote-unquote real decks. So, like, we talked about Miracles and we talked about Tess. Yeah, but did we really talk about Miracles? Because well, that kind of, right? Okay. It's not like a, a totally experimental thing. Like, it's still a shell that's recognizable. Yep. So I was sticking in line with, like, recognizable shells, and I'm kind of giving cr- some credit to this deck here. Matt Soul's Ren 6 Plug. I think that it's just an established deck at this point. Like, so we've, we've seen it enough to where I feel like I can agree with you. It's, oh, man. I just, I see this creature suite. 
And I'm like, wow, eight one ofs. Some of them being cards that I would like. <sighs> there's a Hunt Master of the Fells in here. Yeah, there's. I mean, this is an EDH creature base, right? We got. I mean, does Hunt Master C play an EDH? I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that was like modern 2013 and standard of the same year. Well, okay, but Hunt Master is kind of like a, another main deck Knight of Autumn or something. It's, it's a anti-burn card. It's a grind card. You know, it does a lot. It, it's a it, really, is, it is a grind card. There's a fucking Marin of whatever the fuck in this deck, and there's three of them, spoiler, in this deck dump. There are three decks playing Marin in this deck dump. I've had three White Claws, and I'm still not okay with that. What does this card even do? I mean, I feel like there's got to be a Discord... Where they're just all talking about this, and I'm completely out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, so it's a legendary creature, Human Shaman. Whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. That's on you, the person, the Planeswalker. At the beginning of your end step, choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield, otherwise put it in your hand. Yeah, so even if you don't have experience counters, you get to bring it back to your hand? Yeah, raise dead. Um... It's a grind card, but how many of these grind cards do you need, right? Like your whole creature suites, grind cards, and I guess you have Green Sun Zenith. But really, you put Renin 6 with Wasteland in a Chalice, Mox Diamond, Soul Land, Trinisphere mana base. You're gonna get a lot of wins, right? Like you have super powerful plays with Diamond. You have Sylvan, Ren, Trinisphere, and you have enough creatures to be able to close the game after you ball them. So yeah. I understand why this de- how this deck can do well. But again, like it takes a, a very specific type of player to want to play a deck like this. Yeah, I feel you. And, and we kind of see this as like the spiritual successor to Four Color Loam, right? I mean, I don't know if you do, but that's kind of where it sits for me is like the, the non-blue but still kind of playing a fairish game with Chalice deck. And this deck, unlike Four Color Loam, Four Color Loam had four Mox Diamonds. That was it. So you had to draw Chalice and Mox Diamonds and at least two lands in your opening hand to have a turn one Chalice. Yep. This deck has four Mox Diamonds and three Ancient Tombs. Yeah, the Ancient Tombs actually, like, it gives you more opportunities to be able to play your early proactive plays, but exactly the interaction between ancient tomb and Ren and six, like that. I'm not sure if I like that too much, obviously ancient tomb green sun Zenith. That's great. Yep. But if you, I can see the ancient tomb being a liability in hands that you want to develop your colored mana early, like via the abrupt decay and Ren rather than try to power out your chalices. So I think that that would be more of a problem pre-London rules. Yep. In the post-London rules, this is a deck that I feel like would mulligan down to six, down to five, stop at five maybe, but mulligan pretty aggressively, I would say. To get Mox Diamond. To get a turn, yeah, a turn one chalice, failing that, a turn two Trinisphere, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a lot more leniency now. Like, a lot of these like uh silver bullet lands a lot of these green sun creatures you can just ditch those 
keep the business and you just have a lot more shots at it than, than four color loam. So I feel like I'm ready to, to call this deck the new the new successor to that deck. Okay. I can definitely see the comparisons. The the interesting thing about the London Mulligan with trying to do that is if your business gets countered, yeah, then you are in so much more trouble. Because not only are you going down cards to get your business, but you're you're mox diamonding to get rid of your land. And you could mulligan to five, play your mox diamond, have your rent countered, and maybe you have a Sylvan to follow it up and you're fine. Maybe one of your other powerful plays you can follow it up with and be okay, but that's a lot of cards to go down to try to find a card that puts you down more cards. That's a great point. Yeah, that's totally fair. So, yeah, it's a consideration. I guess that's why uh, it takes a little finesse. And there's a lot in this in this league, Doc. I, I believe Kogamo and I think someone else were playing very similar decks. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people fucking with this. Our buddy Justin Corbett's fucking with this online right now, too. Quite a bit. He 5-0'd last week, I believe. And, yeah, it's, it's just... I think it's a great space right now. So... Because I kind of sectioned this off into like tier one decks, quote unquote. Oh, we're skipping down. We're not doing the one that you lost to in the LAL3. I was going to skip down. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll talk about that later. So we've got uh, Hasataru. This is a uh, quote unquote blue red Delver. If you remember at the LAL4 two weeks ago now. Uh, Chris Fields top aided with a blue red Delver deck yep. that had Monster Swift Spears. Yep, and he he beat me. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, honestly, almost off the back of Swift Spear. The um, so I played blue red Delver back to back, and he was on the play games one and three in our matchup, and having a higher density of one drop threats was really tough for me to deal with, especially being on the play. Yep. The traditional blue red Delver deck had less ones higher up the curve the mana is easier to disrupt and the tempo gained just by having extra threats that eat removal before arcanist comes out yep. is kind of a big deal with this deck yeah so, I, I believe it so this is going back to the no wastelands there's two fiery islets in this deck that has taru's playing yep you can kind of get away with that right because you're you're not leaning on a third color that you have to fetch absolutely so you can certainly play one almost for free, one Fiery Islet. Mm-hmm. The second one, you know, I'd have to have to fuck with it a little, but I don't hate it in this spot, which is, I think, where I... We talked to Topher a couple weeks ago, and he said he liked the third island. Yeah. Because you don't always, you know, sometimes you're on the draw against Blood Moons and your fetch lane doesn't get to fetch. And I totally respect that, but I think that if I were playing this deck, I would play two basic islands. So I, I see where this person's coming from. And I really like this, you know, it, it seems like get them dead. Four chain lightnings, just fucking get them dead. There's no abrade shit going on here. This is nope. this is just like blue red burn kind of. Multiple, multiple vapor snags. And honestly, the mana base, I think 16 is probably the right number. That second fiery islet could be a third island. But I think in all honesty, the percentage gain from making that swap uh, is probably going to end up more toward the islet being right. Because I feel like this deck, more so than needing a third basic island, needs the ability to be able to churn through their deck if they're flooding. Yep, I, I 100% agree. I just hadn't played the deck, so I was kind of deferring to Topher a little on that. Yep. I like the Gilded Drake in the sideboard. 
That's uh Yeah, I saw that. Yep. That's isn't that card like fifty bucks in paper? <sighs> yeah, I I think I have I have a few of them. Um, Bro, you have a fucking I'm I'm in Tom's guest room right now. There is <sighs> a goddamn a, a literal ton, like two thousand pounds. Like I mean, I don't know what that is in Yuan, but this is <laughs> this is a fucking ton. So I of cars. Uh, maybe I'll take a picture and put it on Twitter. But I used to have my sets in set binders, alphabetized with like extra bulk put into boxes. But I ran out of time. Like I, since the Modern Masters twenty seventeen Chronicles I, Four. Chron- yeah, Chronicles, I remember Chronicles Four. Chronicles Four. I haven't put anything into set binders, and everything is just sort of a mess. So my office has like the guest bedroom. And our elliptical and mounds and mounds and mounds of cards. Um like this, yeah, that box. Oh shit, I didn't even see that box. Okay, this box. So these are the 70 quart, 66 liter jugs that I keep two bags of fucking 40 pound dog food in. Yeah. That you have at least this 10, is this at is at least filled, 10 full of this is filled with modern <laughs> legacy decks. Jesus every every Christ. single box in there is a modern or a legacy deck. Oh my god! Yeah, and none of them are old school. Uh, okay, so there's a box in there of old school cards <laughs> that has not made it into a deck. <gasps> Bro, I have this too. Yo, what about what do you know about these? Nothing. I never seen those. These are fucking the other George Bastard book. Okay, books? the Tables of Magic. Dominating what? Dominia. Hold on, I gotta take Alliances revealed. These are hold on. I got yo, you wanna see magic books, man? Look at this shit. I have that one too. You have you have that one? Yep. Pocket okay. players guide. Do you have uh those were the, the only those are the only two I've ever had. This one and that one. Do you have Magic the Addiction by James Sue? I have it on Yeah, there we go, right there. On digital. This is fucking crazy, dude. The tales of so are these like lore books or are these? No, those are strategy books from back in the day, like 93, 94, 95, 96. George Baxter wrote a bunch of Magic the Gathering strategy books and I have the whole series. Holy shit, bro. Yeah. That's awesome. Deck deck building by pockets. If yep. you want to yeah. think of it as. Yeah. So I was just looking at Baxter's list from Pro Tour 1 in New York. Yep. I was just talking to our boy Nate about this or like two <laughs> hours ago. Is Baxter's list from Pro Tour New York because we were arguing about what which cards were restricted at that Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. And dude, I don't know if I ever told you this how I used to submit fake dojo reports back in the day. <laughs> and I I always want to like I, I wonder how many people read those. You know, probably I used to love probably Baxter's. quite a few. I used to love the Baxter's. Jamie the Jamie Wakefield Mono Green tournament reports. I always used to read. Yeah. If you were if you were active on IRC. Back in the day, the MTG Pro IRC channel was taken over by myself and friends of mine a few times. Really? Yeah. Anyway. I was on ICQ. Okay. So uh, ICQ was like an instant messenger. And you meet up for apprentice games. Yeah. yeah. IRC was more like a like an internet chat room. Yeah. So think like that. Yeah. I don't anyway, know why I never fucking, been on IRC. We're fucking old. Yeah. We're fucking old. Yeah, man. ICQ is the shit, though. Well, I mean, it was just like aim before aim right yeah but dude aim changed our lives if you think about it it did but my life was already changed before aim 
I was like, I I was logging into bulletin board services and playing games and stealing people's America Online accounts. Um, not oh, fuck. I can't edit that. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Bro, I had the I had the cops come wake my family up when I was in eighth grade. Yep. In the middle of the night, knocking on my door for shit, hacking shit I'd done. So yep. Uh, yeah. This is awesome though, man. I never seen these books before. I I'm sure that I have more random magic stuff from when I played back in the day floating around, but remember, I used to read those books all the time. Do you remember in this book? There's like a chapter about like he opens like a starter deck and he and trades. he walks through all of his trades. Yeah. Yep. He gets like the current apes and the taiga and shit. I, Dude, I remember that. Fuck, I read that so many times. <laughs> Great book. They don't, where is that shit today? And you know what? It's on um it's on Salvation, but everybody shits on it. Really? Yeah, probably. I'm sure that there is a I opened my first booster pack, watch my trades, but everybody's like, what the fuck are you? Now you put it in a book back in ninety three and ninety four and people were like, Oh yeah. man, like that's how you trade. Like you find somebody who wants to stream a life. And you get your mountains and you like you can build a burn deck and play for Auntie. Yep. That's but but like Baxter though. Like is is Baxter on Salvation or is it just some fucking scrub? No, it's just some fucking scrub. Also, I think Salvation died last month. Did it really? Is there no more MTG Salvation? That's what I heard, yeah. That, that... MTG Salvation. No, it's here. Oh, it's still here. Rumors of its demise were Wait, do we still have forums? Yeah, we got forums. Okay. Yeah. We're I'm good. sorry. I don't know. I heard it. I heard it was dying last month. I I definitely wrote tournament reports for MTG Salvation when I came back to playing Magic. Really? Yeah. No, don't find them. <laughs> it was like I went to F and M and I foroed fucking scrubs. <laughs> Actually, nothing's changed. All right. So, yeah, that was a nice little tangent. Where were? What were we talking about before that? I'm sorry. You were talking about how you tiered these deck dump decks tiered them oh i'm sorry yes i tiered so the next one there's really not a lot special about this deck it's this is uh this is elves this is venner uh this is the first time we saw elves in the deck dump in quite a bit right well i've seen adam wallace on twitter whining about how elves might be unplayable yeah this adam is the worst wallace time to play elves whining about it He's going to have to cast Brainstorms. He's got to go to these GPs and his deck's not playable. And I just want to point out that this motherfucker, that, uh, sorry, this person, Venner, just sleeves it up and enters the league in 5 O's. So. Do we want to alienate the entire state of Maine by calling Adam Wallace a whiny bitch? I, this would be like the fourth or fifth time on this cast I've done that. <sighs> so I want to point out some choices here. Main deck Archon of Valor's Reach, sideboard, two three Veil of Summer, and two Carpet of Flowers. You don't think of Elves as a deck that really needs to scrape for mana advantage. Never. But in a world where all of your mana dorks are getting picked off, yes, your mana early is generally a choke point exactly. in a lot of those matchups. So I I don't I don't mind that. It allows you to like ramp straight ahead to maybe hard cast your archon or like play a dude and natural order it in the same turn so i don't i don't hate it i love it i think it's a great great thought it really addresses what the problems are because yeah elves is a monocolor deck but you are sort of a monocolor deck but 
you do get fucked on lands. Like I used to fuck them on lands all the time with with uh, Bant and other Delver decks I played. You can choke them, and it's not just wasting cradles. You can sometimes they have to get a Bayou, and you can just waste it. Well, sometimes it's like you spot removal their creature, yeah, and then their cradle doesn't do anything, right? And exactly. Then, yeah, you can take care of cradle that way and just really choke them. And that's why I think Carpet of Flowers is the exact right solution for this problem. And I just wanted to applaud that really quick. Uh, other than that, you know, it's just elves. So really, I just wanted to highlight that. Okay. Uh, so Ale Milan in this list, I'm not sure if that's how you say it or not, but this is Curtis's deck. This is probably three to four weeks old. He top aided like three challenges in a row with it. Yes. I still don't want to acknowledge that it's a deck. It obviously is a deck. But I don't I don't I don't want to. Why? Why? I don't know. It just it looks like a mess. You see four Elvish Reclaimer and three Seder Wayfinder in a legacy deck, and you just think like, is this the world that we're living in now? Is Hogak that good that we can take like half of a depth shell? And shove in these shitty cards and it can still beat people. I know obviously it does. Fuck. Yeah, I don't really think that that's what it is though. So the problem is they have to respect the Dark Depths, right? You're playing against Depths. Yep. They go turn one, you know, buy you into Thoughtseize. And you're like, okay, I'm probably playing Depths. And you realize you are. And... When they take your plow or whatever, you realize you're playing depths. And I've lost plenty of games to depths where they went vampire, hex mage, beats, dark confidant, and you have to be holding up other stuff. Yep. So you like kill the confidant, but you can't kill the hex mage. And then you have to wait on the hex mage because they could respond to it and, you know, crop rotation or whatever. And you don't want to get got. So you're holding back and they just end up taxing on resources. And that's what I feel. I would never have seen this deck in a million years. And this is Curtis's genius, honestly. He's, dude, Black Red Reanimator, the old Turbo Depths deck, and now this deck. Curtis has done a fucking lot for like, and they're kind of budget decks too. Yeah, for as far as Legacy is concerned, for sure. He does, he does a ton. He's like the Pied Piper of fucking budget combo. Uh, I just. You ever see him at like, at like an FNM, he's got like groupies, bro. People just follow that motherfucker around. <laughs> he does. He does have groupies. He, I mean, this deck, I would never would have seen this in a million years, but it's, it, I think it's brilliant, man. I mean, Stitcher Supplier, you're a Cabal Therapy deck, right? You're, you're trying to use resources. You're really maximizing every one of your cards. Use it on the front and the back. Like you've got a one mana Nether Reliquary, which this deck loves. You've got Seder Wayfinders and Stitcher Suppliers, which are just loading up your graveyard. Replacing themselves, hitting land drops, sacrificing the therapy, casting Hogak. You've got Hogak himself, the beefy boy. Colony Garden, dude. Get a get a plant to evoke, convoke the fucking Hogaks. I, I this deck, man, I think it's really, really, really well built. I don't know how good it really is, but I I feel like people haven't explored it enough, obviously. And Curtis did so much work with it and he sort of broke it out in the last few challenges. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. 
it steps with a backup plan of casting Hogak. So you have multiple angles that you can attack from. And that that plan that you said with the nickel and diming with Bobs and Vampire Hex Mages, there's a lot more creatures in this where like somebody is sitting back with their source of plowshares for the depths and you just one, 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 one yeah. for them. You might be able to get there. But I, I think that I don't know where I would put it, but I think that I would still want Bob in that sort of strategy and Bob with Hogak seems like a no-go. So maybe that's the reason why Curtis cut it, but I can't, I, ugh, I don't know enough about this deck to respect it yet. So, so imagine they go turn one thought sees like in the scenario we were talking about. Yep. And then, you know, they, they grab whatever they take from your hand with plow or whatever, and they go turn to Seder wayfinder. They put a dark depths into their hand and they've been a Hogak and a Cabal Therapy and a fucking whatever. Do you know how fucked you are? I mean, yeah, you're you're in trouble there. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of like a best case scenario. But I'm just saying that that's kind of how this deck all fits together. And I really just think it it really is kind of a work of art how, how this deck sort of molds together. All right. So maybe I can sum up my reactions to I don't respect Seder Wayfinder as a legacy playable card <laughs> yet. And the situation you described, maybe, maybe I'll come around on it, but not yet. The deck not needs yet. brainstorming. Though, I will say that. So maybe uh, Tom Hep could get on that. So next we got Sneak and Show, JPA. Well, is it Sneak and Show? Well, so is it is it Trinity Tell whatever the fuck Trinity Show Trinity Tell? Okay, I- I'm so- a little bit drunk already. It's so we I didn't hit the the countdown on the power hour. Oh, fuck. Okay, but listen. All right. I'm cracking number three. You're cracking number. All right. We're we're 20 something minutes in and I'm on number five. And what? Sorry. Jesus Christ. I'm on number four. Let me let me get to number five. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So you're on number two. No. No. You know who you're dealing with right now? <laughs> the White Claw Assassin. Bro. The White. Here we go. Uh, so imagine you took Trinity Tell and stripped out all of the red. Yeah. <laughs> and replaced the sneak attacks with Eurekas and got to add Veil of Summer and Carpet of Flowers to the sideboard. Yeah. Along with the card yeah. <laughs> that I had to get people on board with. You did call this card. Shifting, shifting Ceratops. I saw Rick Shea. Rick Shea. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. Rick Shea. Rick Shea, also a master. I had a friend, an Indian kid in, in elementary school named Rick Shea. That was his whole, that was just, that was just his first name. Rick Shea, Rick Shea. Rick Shea, Rich Shea. Uh, getting beat down by the shifting Ceratops on turn two. On turn two. So... I really like the Veil of Summer in the sideboard. Carpet of Flowers does such a good job of getting through the Delver Days Spell Pierce yep. game plan yep. that, like, admittedly isn't around too much now because the Delvers are four color decks. They're not playing Spell Pierce usually. Um, well, it's not just that, but this deck is leaning into double green. So you, well, you're playing four volcanic island or sorry four tropical islands yep. you only have three basics in this entire deck so you could get rend out in, in theory 
You could, but not with Carpet of Flowers. Right. So I think it's an even better idea. It's got Delver versatility. It's got Ren two Wasteland Control yep. utility. And this is also a main deck for Seiju deck, so you got that going for that scenario. But yep. I really like what Carpet of Flowers does here. Shifting yeah. Ceratops. I feel like you paid him off to do this. <laughs> I did. I did not. I've been high on JPA for a while, but I feel like the reason the splash green is mostly Veil of Summer. The... <laughs> Do you mean to say you've been high on Ceratops or JPA? No, JPA. Like, okay, yeah. I, like his, his yeah, list and his, yeah. his performance oh, yeah, and all that. Of course. Um, but the Veil of Summer not being blastable and being like oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, proactable plan, a proactive plan where you just like, you veil them and they either counter it or you go off. Yeah, silence. Yeah, I mean... like that's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. But, but shifting ceratops though. I'm not talking about Villa Summer. Yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good plan B, right? Like for the first time. But does time... Sneaky Joe ever have a plan B? Yeah, it does. You got ceratops now. You're playing green. Well, did Sneak and Show though? Did they ever have plan B? Yeah. What? You had click. You had some creatures out of the sideboard. I remember we we went to Niagara. Yeah. And uh, day one, Lawrence had his buys, and we started to play some matches. Yeah. And my sideboard plan against Miracles was just like, you bring in all your dudes. Okay. And you just play click and nickel and dime them. All right. And you tax their removal. And then, like, they have to spend a turn dealing with your stuff. And that's when you combo. You just sit on your combo the entire game. That's fair. Yeah, you've played more reps with it than me. I always thought of that as, like, a mirror breaker, combo breaker kind of card. Yep. I didn't think of it as really a fair game leaning into it kind of card. So, all right. I'll believe it. I'll buy it. Shifting Ceratops. I'm happy to see him here. You called this card. I didn't I didn't believe it till I played with it in draft and thought more about it and really I, I'm a believer now. I'm trying to get Justin to play it in that deck. Pretty cool list. Awesome 5-0. Next, Tony Scapone. There's just one thing I wanted to highlight about this list. This is Burn, right? <sighs> you know what? I shouldn't be sighing because there's been a bunch of times that I've like talked about on the cast how low-key i think burn is really well positioned yeah i mean i said so, it last week i think and i i think that right now actually i think burn is well positioned but what's up with this spirit guide so th- what i want to talk about here is putting a bow on something that we talked about when light up the stage got printed okay and my question to burn players at the time and nobody was able to answer this at, to any degree of confidence to me where I'd rather if they just hadn't messaged me at all. Well, I mean, there's like, how many competent burn players well, are there? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Right? There might only be one or two, but I don't know who they are. But anyway, so the question is, how often do you need to kill someone on turn three and need to use all six of your mana to do it versus wanting to have another card and that being the limiting factor, right? Okay. And that's what I didn't understand about whether Light Up the Stage should be in burn lists or not. And we've seen them incorporate it, and we've seen them not incorporate it. And this list, not only does it not incorporate Light Up the Stage, but it has a Simeon Spirit Guide. And to me, that's a huge signal that you need to get people dead on turn three. I wouldn't take this list as a signal of anything. <laughs> okay, look. And I don't mean to dump... No. on on this player but we have a meta right now ripe with four color astrolab decks and it seems like the reason why you would want to play burn is to prey on those decks with greedy ass mana bases 
right? Yeah. And I know that they can play basics with Astrolab, but this deck is playing two price, two searing blaze, and one searing blood. Um, I I don't think that split makes sense. No, that's weird. What the right? fuck is that? It, I, I didn't notice that. Um, I the the rest of the deck is like stockburn. Well, not Simeon Spirit Guide. Uh, it's got a Spirit Guide too. Like, and there's another thing though. And I 110% would have thought that Burn would immediately incorporate one canopy land and start working up from there. Okay. Um, I can see that. You can also just play more fetches and, and less basics to, to thin your deck. I know the math doesn't work out the way that most people think it does. But uh, the uh, I don't think we need to get too technical with the analysis of what's going on with this deck it's a league no i know i'm just saying this this person this player tony scapone i don't know any idea who it is but i know that they are a good pilot from playing them a lot online playing a lot of times blue red they're okay. blue red online very good pilot i'm always like okay this is a real match here we yep. go and obviously this spirit guy signals speed to me over resource and that's just why it interests me, is because I was wondering about light up a stage. I I don't feel like that question's been answered to my satisfaction. Yep. But this is a vote for speed, in my opinion. But okay, so okay, that's all. Yep. I I feel like in the meta we're working with now, when you look at what the most popular decks are, it shouldn't be about speed, because the most popular decks are four color rend, and I don't think that's a deck. That you need to get dead early. What about turn one uh, Eidolon against them? Turn one Eidolon is obviously good, but if you're trying to maximize turn one Eidolon, yeah, no, I know. you wouldn't just be playing one. Like, playing Eidolon on turn one is great. I'm just saying, I think that speed, like, or even turn one two Goblin guys against them. Like, you know what? Like, I think speed would be good against them versus resource. I would actually try to go with speed because you're never going to out resource them. But you're going to out resource their life total eventually that's the idea yeah they don't catch like they, up. they have they have no way of saying. catching up or yeah. coming back okay i guess i guess so. text you that they don't have white T- yeah typically. and they're not they're not playing something like a singleton jit in the sideboard to like right. suit something up and I try to gain life that, back yeah. so yeah. their their life total is is a is the the thing that you need to attack and simian spirit guide does not attack their life total unless you are in a really messed up game yeah all right, well, you heard it here first. Burn attacks their life total. So Hopefully you all knew what I meant. <laughs> no, just so the the next deck, this is, uh, this is a cool one, man. SB7448. That might also be tab in leap speak. Wait, what? That might be SB tab in leap speak. Oh, okay. So... You, have you seen this deck yet? Uh, so it's it's blue black shadow with berserk. So that would be bug, yeah, bug shadow. But there's no Gurmag angler. Mm-hmm. There's the literal creatures. I mean, the literal creature suite is they have four street race. But really, this is just four death shadow, and that's fucking it. Well, they have tutors in Limdol's vault to find it. Yeah, and lose life if you just want to lose life. Yeah, but oh man, so. This deck 
to swords to plowshares <laughs> is just so absolutely brutal. Now you have six discard spells to be able to clear it out. You have four stubborn denial and four force to be able to back it up. But this to me isn't, I don't know. It's not playable. There's no dual lands in this deck. Well, I can understand you not wanting any dual lands because it is a shadow deck and you are going so deep on shadow that it is literally your only win condition. However, the four tarnished citadels fucking love it. I, uh, I love that. I think, I think this deck is one of the reasons why I don't like to talk about the deck dump. <laughs> right? Because there's going to be somebody, right? There's going to be somebody that like is like trying to figure out what they want to play in a tournament. And they're going to open up the MTGO <sighs> deck list. They're going to look at the leagues and they're going to be like, oh shit. Oh shit, I have that. There's no dual lands. This deck fucking 5-0'd. I can bring this to the tournament. And they're just going to get shit stomped at the tournament. Right? For, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, this is totally glass cannon. Super glass cannon. But one card in here that I really, really like that I'd never seen in this deck, you know what it is, obviously, is we talked about it. What? Limdul's Vault. Oh, okay, yeah. Fucking love it. That card's great. It finds you a shadow when you don't have a shadow. And then when you do have a shadow, it's just fucking make it a 12-12. Yeah, but that could be a Gurmag Angler. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying if, if I were playing this deck, immediately minus two berserk plus two grimming angler well before okay. i even okay, so played game one now i feel like this deck is just a crazy port from other versions of shadow because the reason why you play shit like street wraith and mishra's bobble in addition to street wraith like losing your life so you can cast shadow earlier are to fuel anglers right so you're playing these relics of the old deck yes that used for anglers in this shell where Mishra's Bobble really doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Right. hundred percent. So I, I agree. So that, that's why I don't want to take this deck seriously. Okay. I feel you on that. But I do think that it's interesting. I think Limduel's Vault is a great card that I honestly think was overlooked in this archetype. It, it Maybe people were talking about it on some Discord that I'm not a member of because Shadow. But, you know, I think that it was really cool. And... Everybody stands that fucking card that beats Chalice. What the fuck is that card called? Shit card that adds oh, a counter to... you proliferate? Yeah. The... Oh, fuck. I have it. Hold on. Geth's fucking... Throne thing. of Geth? Throne of Geth. Uh, what set is that from? Mirrodin Phyrexia. Uh, is that this one? Mirrodin... Yes. Yep. Yeah. Throne of Geth. I'm looking through my mounds of magic cards. I think I might have taken the Throne of Geths out of the set binder. Yeah. Because I... They're missing. The spot yep, is missing. They're missing. Uh, because somebody needed them. But yeah, this... Oh, my fucking God. I'm going to have you look through this box. You're going to be yeah. like, holy shit, how is this in a box? That's crazy. All right, anyway. So yeah, I mean, people were all up on nuts for Throne of Geth and Lindell's Vault. No, because it doesn't fucking help. It helps you lose however much life you want to lose. Right, but like you have one threat and it costs one. So literally if your opponent chalices on one, you fucking die. You have no way of winning. 
Other oh. than hard casting Street Wraith on five. Yeah, but Throne of Geth wasn't the main deck card. Oh, you're right, but the old Shadow decks had Gurmag Angler. Right, yeah. True. Yeah, anyway. But what is the main, What is the card now? Because I think Throne of Geth is obsolete now, even if you thought that it was a good card to begin with, which not everyone did, but... I mean, en- uh, Engineered Explosives? No, 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 there's another card, I think, now. Uh, I think that... So there was Steady Progress before, I want to call it, and Tezzeret's Gambit. Yep. But I feel like there's a, a better card, even, that came out in War of the Spark. That was like a cantrip proliferate for like one for one in a blue. Yeah, I think you might be right. I drafted that fucking set so much and I can't think of the name of the card. It was a one in a blue sorcery draw card proliferate. Yes. Okay. I don't know the name of the card either. Yeah. This deck's bad. Anyway, I got to piss. Okay. So right now, uh, Ian is going to take a leak. And um, I'm going to tell you that I've had... Five white claws, and he has had a few Miller lights, and I don't know if this is making the cast or not, but uh, we're not even close to being done. So thank you, Brian Bradshaw, for fucking up everybody that subscribed to our Patreon, who wants like good, insightful, magic content, and Ann and I are literally here drinking like. 19-year-old girls debating whether or not this bug shadow list that 5 owed should be worth talking about. And it's not. But we spent a good 10 minutes on it. So, blame Brian. Yep. His fault. Somewhere in the wilderness of Canada, Tom is driving through with a shotgun, looking at a bunch of cows, thinking, how did my life make it to where it is now where I'm listening to Tom by himself, drunkenly talking to the internet, while Ian takes a leak? <laughs> Bro, it smells like a fucking Zima in here. What are those things called? You know what? What It does, it, it's reminiscent of Zima. For sure. You know I bought Zima when they re-released it last year or two years ago? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. They re-released Zima? They did. What does that mean? They, uh, so Zima was originally around in like the late 90s, maybe mid 90s. And then it went away for a while. But last year, whatever company owns the rights to Zima put out Zima again as like a limited edition. You can get Zima again. You used to call that liquid panty remover. Really? Yeah, did you not? No. Oh, fucking Massachusetts, no. bro. Yep. That Zima <laughs> Zima was amazing. Like Well, I mean, Zima just set the stage for uh Mike's and Smirnoff and all of those other things, right? I guess. I don't know what came before because I was just coming of age and there was already Zima. I think it was probably like uh Jack Daniels wine coolers. Oh, and yeah. uh You're right. what were they the breeze bacardi breezes the what the fuck when yes, i was like right. yeah it was those i don't know what was before that because when i was drinking illegally i remember getting like the down home punch and lynchburg lemonade jack daniels would be You're like right. yep. i'm fucking drinking jack right now when it was right. those things You're right but so i used to <laughs> i i had this beard yep. that i have right now 
Okay. In high school. I had, I didn't have this. I can't grow facial hair. I was fully developed in eighth grade. Like the, the same height that I am right now. I was like one of the tallest kids in, in eighth grade. Okay. Now I'm, I'm like, I'm five, nine. I'm not tall. So I was buying liquor in high school, like for our parties and whatever. Yep. It was me and one other kid that could buy liquor. Cause okay. we, we were old enough, you know, like quote unquote. You looked, looked old, old enough? enough. Yeah. I went, okay. So I never tried to buy alcohol before I was 21. Really? And I was like a monster. I was like, I was, I'm tall and I was like 220, 230 in shape yep. when I turned 21 and I went to the liquor store on my 21st birthday and they didn't card me and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> How, like, I just, I never tried to get away with it. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. I, yeah. But I remember there would always be, like, I would, I would get handed everybody's liquor orders. Yep. And it would be like, bottle this, bottle that, bottle that six Smirnoffs for like you know this our zimas rather yep for the girls it was yeah i bought a lot of zimas in the day but i never never drank one so yeah we are on to cincinnati no um tier two no no no, no, no. we've been tiered. we've been at fucking tier two for a long time <laughs> fetter rusher so this is obviously a Roger Federer fan. Hold on. I don't know how you how do you feel about Roger Hold Federer. Up. Are we really on this tier two? No, no. Good. Because we have the H R to talk about. Yeah. Okay. We have Rick Shea, Rick Shea. Yeah. So this is stocky stock stock. I feel like Rich noticed the same thing that that we noticed that Zach noticed is that that the four color decks were weak to Blood Moon and play let's Blood Moon. Fucking get them. Yeah. And this is like, this is a Zach and a half. Like, Rich Shea's list, no bullshit. No Nahab the Dreadhorde fucker. No, uh... What, Hazret? What? Yeah. No, none of that silly bullshit that, that we see in those silly lists, you know? So, basically, he got a 5-0, and he's Rich Shea, and I'm sure he was streaming, and I'm sure he asked his chat about his, his mulligan decisions and his calming... ASMR like voice. I don't watch many streams, man, but I love watching Rich stream. Just gotta say that. I I absolutely agree with you. So yeah, basically, Federer. Did you watch the the finals of the U.S. Open? Uh, this year? Yeah. No. All right. Just wondering. Are okay. you? Do you like Federer? Or are you a Djokovic fan? Uh, so I. I haven't really followed tennis since like Sampras dominated thousands. <laughs> so listen, you listen. can't say that while I'm drinking. Bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, I I played tennis in high school. I played like oh. I I loved playing it in the summer growing up when I wasn't playing basketball. And there was a time where like in my house ESPN was just on all the time. Yeah, TV in my room, ESPN on from morning till night. I just watch it. But after after I moved out, I just my my coverage of tennis. And my absorption of the the media just sort of fell off. Yeah. So the Pete Sampras era was the last time that I sort of knew what was going on in tennis. Really? And like, I understand who wins the majors. I probably know more about women's coverage yeah. with the Williams sisters than, um, than uh, Djokovic and Federer and uh, Nadal. Like, I know who they are, but I'm not super into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I feel you. And it does suck that we lost ESPN. 
Rip. Wait, what do you mean? When when ESPN went from sports to politics. Oh yeah, I I can't watch it anymore. Bro, it's off. I grew up. I would wake up. I would set my fucking alarm every morning for five fifty. Yep. Get up, make a bowl of cereal, fucking six to seven ESPN. Sports Center. Yeah. Fucking loved it. Craig Kilborn. Stuart Scott. Dan Patrick. I'll uh, go all day. Chris Berman. I have done. <laughs> <laughs> no, Keith Olbermann, bro. Uh, so Okay. Sports Center was fucking awesome. It was. Now they make it look like an app. Like it's like telling you what's gonna happen next. And... It's half fantasy shit. Uh the only thing that I still love on ESPN are the 30 for 30s. Every fucking ESPN 30 for 30 makes me like want to like tear up and cry. Yeah. They they have that Disney pull all that emotional shit on you. You know what was cool actually when I was bartending in 2006, 2007, I would come home late at night, it was like 2 a.m. and they had Sports Center live from LA with Scott Van Pelt. Yep. And Neil something. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I think his name was. No, not Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil I know who you're talking about. Tall white guy, black hair, stick yes. back. Yep, yep. Ah, uh. so those two did Sports Center from LA at midnight in LA, which was three AM our time, and it was fucking awesome. That that was like the last time I enjoyed ESPN. Neil Everett. Yes, Neil. Everett. There we go. So yeah, that was that was the shit. But Federusher, named after the great Federer. This is Grixis Delver, not. No tropical islands, no wrens. This is Grixis Delver. But the creature suite is four Delver, four Dread Horrorganist, two Gourmet Angler. There's one card. Reanimate. Fucking Dread Horrorganist on turn two. Cast Reanimate, flashback Reanimate. Okay, wait. Uh, you're talking about what you can do with your deck? Yeah, well, I'm talking about. Get back your Delver that died, potentially. Yep. And get back their Delver that traded with it. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking more when I look at this deck, I'm looking at the interaction between Thought Seize and Reanimate. And yep. I'm looking at how Dread Dreadhorde Arcanist has like a little bit more of a value package late game with what you're talking about. You can like reanimate another Arcanist to be able to like double up in your cantrips. Um, but this deck doesn't excite me. It's kind of the same thing that's been going on, only it's trimmed down on the cantrips to add two reanimates. Yeah. So when we think about Dread Horrorcanist flashing back stuff, yeah, we think about Preordain, Ponder, Brainstorm, Lightning Bolt, sometimes Chain Lightning, sometimes Vapor Snag. Right? Yep. That's the spells we're thinking of. Great spells, but low impact spells. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of gas. Fucking what at one spell? One drop spell more proactively impactful. Not many. I I, feel I, like I struggle. I struggle to think of some. That's a card I overlooked. Like fuck with regard to Dreader Arcanist. Okay. No, I can get behind that. I understand what you're saying, but I feel like dropping the extra two threats to be able to play those reanimates, while it's going to help in some matchups, man, it makes this deck threat this deck really threat light. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the reanimates being able to get back your killed Arcanists that haven't been able to connect yet might turn the tide in some matchups where they had exactly enough removal. Yeah. So I can I can see that. 
All right, hold up. Because I am... I'm a few claws deep. I need to get up to this cooler and get myself some more backup claws. Yes. Here, one more. Okay. So, yeah. I'm not looking forward to this next, this next deck. Sam 51087. So this dude's birthday is... Probably his password, too. And his name is Sam. So, yeah, anybody who, who wants the social security fraud or whatever, you got to pick a better username, bro. So, this person is playing Urza. They have the unlucky f- misfortune of being the first Urza deck, and we're finally talking about it for our buddy who shall remain unnamed, who asked us to talk about it, our buddy in California. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Asked us to talk about Urza. And here we are. Okay. So I think you need to take the lead on this because before <laughs> before Urza on camera with your library in no. the middle of your fucking <sighs> playmat board set out. You got smashed by the okay. stick. You were okay, wait. There's a long I'm going back to fucking 2016. You motherfuckers ready? All there right. is a long history of you standing behind me and watching me draw fucking awful cards. There's the burn <laughs> matchup against the dude in the Eternal Dirtle shirt at LAL2. Yep. When I was playing for top eight. There's this matchup when I was playing against this mono blue painter guy. There's the matchup round seven of the SCG invitational where I was playing in the Legacy Classic. You you were had just won the fucking modern classic or modern open and i was playing to cash the legacy classic and i was playing against maverick and i drew like six lands in a row you and julian were burdened (laughs) i won that match thankfully you have every time you're standing behind me i draw nothing but lands and that game i drew so fucking poorly i feel like i made the right decisions in that game and i just drew awfully i i don't question your decisions I'm just making a comment that your opponent had oh, some artifact that I had to look up. Yep. They kept on making walking tokens into flying tokens into 5-5 five, five tokens. Yeah, it's called... With uh, the meek stone out. Yeah, it's called like Thopter Foundry, I want to call it. Nope. Nope. Thopter Foundry is the modern combo piece yeah. that you use with sword. Yeah, uh, whoops. Thopter inspection rig maybe Ugh, it was something it, it's it's like a go post for trading post for that's exactly what it was foundries yes things. now this deck looks way better than the deck that you got smashed by yeah well i mean urza wasn't a card back then that is true sai was and i think sai was the one that you got beat by yes that's a fact but, but what card would have saved you batter skull my true name i had batter skull in hand was your true name untapped yes so okay. that, that, or a cantrip because there was no chalice in play yeah i never hit a cantrip even to try to find that shit but anyway water under the bridge as we like to say so this deck it just happens to be the first urza deck we're discussing there's a lot of directions you can go with urza and it has shown up in in challenges yes but in every deck dump in the past three weeks usually twice because there's different directions you can go this is the Urza Humans deck. Four Trinket Mage, four Urza, three Psy Master Thopterus. Those are humans. 11 blue humans in this deck. And 
This is eight cards. Four Sion of Urza, four great creators, obviously. See so the Sionod deck and your your Cheerios, your eggs, are Chalice, Engineering Explosives, Mishra's Bobble, Urza's Bobble, Mox Opal, and Mox Diamond. The, the, the first thing about this deck, and when I was trying to sketch this deck out on paper, why don't you try to just lean in a little harder and get Force Ball on this deck? In the sideboard. So, I feel like the blue count if you're going to try to make it work for Force of Will, then you probably want something like Painter. You know what I'm saying? Like, that it leads it into that direction. Yeah. But 13 Blue Creatures main deck, that's that's a tough look. What I what I see when I see this deck, obviously I'm happy that Urza is a card that I thought was going to see play at seeing play. But, man, wouldn't, wouldn't trying to get some white mana in for Mentor... Mm-hmm. just like make this deck yep have so much more juice size great and staying monocolored is great but all of those zero cost artifacts just seem like they would get so much better with mentor as compared to Psy. now obviously Urza is a great engine that you want access to blue mana yeah but all those artifacts give you the access to that blue mana anyway i just i don't know i look at all the cards and i'm like wow i wish i had access to like Grim Monolith and Key to be able to untap them to play heavier on the card. I see all the zeros, all the zero artifacts. And I'm like, wow, I really wish this deck had Mentor. Yeah. And I look at the package and it's like a tight package and it's mono blue, but I feel like there's a better way to tune it. And I have no experience in saying that, but that's just my initial feeling. 100%. 110%. This deck Four Urzas are going to win you games. Turn one Chalice is going to win you games. Four Urzas, or sorry, Psy and Urza, quick way to close. You're going to win games with these cards. I mean, it's great to see Urza. Yeah. But I feel like in a Karn deck, you want to move a different direction. As an Urza deck, you kind of want to move in a different direction. And the reliance on fours to close, uh, it just seems rough. Like, your mana base is monocolored. But if you look at what is actually going on, it could be tough to hit four mana against a Wasteland. And you don't have like Grim Monolith or whatever. So let's say you have an Ancient Tomb draw, but you only have one Mox Diamond and one Mox Mox Opal. Opal. So how are you getting to four on two reliably? Yeah, you can can hit your land drops by cycling the baubles, but that like makes the artifacts leave the battlefield. It's still slow tripping into your lands. I just, I don't see it. I, so... Kiwi Shingo has the other Urza deck in this deck dump. Here we go. Yeah, Black Blue. Okay. Four Baleful Strix and two Urza. That's the creatures. Yeah. Planeswalkers, the turn one Karn. Yep. That Tom likes to talk about. There we go. Three Karn, the Great Creators, and two Narset Parter Avails. So high impact Planeswalkers. And you have a backup plan. Like, generically your cards in this deck are more powerful than in the other one because you're not playing Bobbles. You're playing Ponders and Brainstorms and Fatal Push and Force of Will and all of these other supporting pieces along with the Thopter Sword combo. And back to basics. As a one-up. Steel games. Yeah. yeah. You got Liliana's Triumph to catch up for Fatal Push. Not a ton to catch up. I'm not entirely sure that these spells, I know how powerful Brainstorm and Ponder are, so it's not just 
ponder and brainstorm. It's ponder, brainstorm, thought seize, right. spell pierce, fatal push. All of your removal, yeah, plus your sideboard options of there's some stuff on the sideboard. <laughs> um, I just I I don't feel like the black blue no ancient tomb, no mox diamond, no whatever. Uh, plan wants chalice. Because I, I feel like the main draw to this deck is you have more selection with your cantrips to be able to hit your pieces that you want more often. Yeah. But this is more of a, a Thopter Sword rather than generic Chalice. But, like, nothing about Thopter Sword necessitates not playing Chalice, right? Like like the old Tesserator deck, right? Like yep. the Transmute Artifact Tesserator deck. You don't have Thoughtseize. You don't have Cantrips. Right. You don't have as much interaction. You have Chalice. Right. You're going all in on Chalice. And with the, the Mulligan rule being what it is now, I think that where I would start is basically this blue-black list with Baleful Strix and stuff, but also Chalice and Thopter Sword combo. So that's where I would want to start with Urza. Obviously, that deck isn't in this deck dump. Yep. We've got the Chalice Mono Blue Urza, and we've got the Blue Black Thoughtseize Ponder Brainstorm Urza. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those decks can win five games in a row. We see that. We see the proof right here. So, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's where I would start. Okay. But this deck is really cool, man. I mean, this is like Grixis, quote unquote, Grixis Control, right? You've got Karn Lattice Lock. You've got ways to fucking just stomp the game closed on turn four, turn five, whatever. Yeah, you are you are less powerful but more spread out. Like, I just I don't feel like this deck is getting to a Karn lock early. On your turn eight. Right, yeah. I mean it's that's why I'm not totally sold on this. Because you're you you do not have ancient tombs. Like you're not jumping the curve. Yep. And you're only playing twenty one land. If you want to be able to, like, Karn into Lattice, you need to use your cantrips to be able to hit your land drops. Yeah. And, <sighs> I don't know. I don't like this deck. I like Thopter Sword. I like combining it with Karns yep. and Urza. Yep. I don't think this is the shell to go. I think yep. it's too it's too in the middle rather than trying to push the limits. Uh, I think that if you're going to do that, then... <sighs> then you probably just want to play, like, big mana artifacts. Oh, there's not a lot. There you go. Big mana artifacts and lean more heavily on having the artifacts for yeah, Urza. 100%. So, I don't know. I don't know how that fits into the Black Splash for... Um, Strix. Yeah. At that point, it would be just Strix. Strix is just good, man. I mean, Strix is just Strix, you know? Is it worth the whole extra color splash, though? So, what else do we have in this deck dump? All right. Now we're starting to get a little crazy. So, Repia. R-E-P-I-A. Well, it was like, it was still Stompy, right? Well, that's what that's what I'm going to ask you. Okay. Is this Steel Stompy or is this Affinity? This is Steel Stompy. Is this just like where Steel Stompy is right now? Because this seems like there's two thought knots here. First of all, yep. This there's is Vault this is Scourge. Steel Stompy. Vault Scourge is in this deck. Do you want Do you want me to look at the Discord? Yeah. For Max's, by all Steel means, Steel Stompy here. Because there's a couple cards in here that I did not think that I thought would would 
sort of sway this away from sales stopping. Okay, so I'm in a Discord with Max and a bunch of smart people who uh, talk about steel stompy and it's sort of toward the bottom of my list. But the current thinking on steel stompy has thought not seers. Right, four. And, well, a number and all of these cards that we usually see in steel stompy. And this is very similar to what I consider steel stompy. There's no ornithopter. There's no memnite. Right. There's none of the other like affinity yeah. power out my right. stuff. Yep. This is more of a mid-range lock deck. Now there's no um What am I talking about? <laughs> the other lock piece. So usually they play thorns and three spheres. Ball? Yeah. Or there's no spheres, there's no three balls. They have chalice and they have some number of thorns. Mm-hmm. But and there's nothing else. But to me this is still stompy. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. And Tom did show me a list that had. So that is clearly where people are going with Seal Stompy. This deck has four Vault Scourge and two Thought Knot, which might be the first time I've ever seen a number other than four Thought Knot in a deck that has yeah. any Thought Knots. I mean, it's sort of top end. It replaced the Lodestone Golems that yeah. were in there in the original builds. Yeah. Right. But Vault Scourge and Arcbound Ravager, like it punishes a whole ton of legacy oh decks, yeah yeah and that's one of the reasons why i think you want four vault scourge oh i can see it for sure i was just really surprised i wanted to get your thoughts because you clearly felt strongly about what what was should be called affinity at one point we had this discussion yeah i feel like legacy affinity has some number of ornithopters and memnites okay so that's the distinction there yep so yeah this is a, a cool looking deck we've got a lot of fast mana and a jet and a lot of affinity creatures. <coughs> Bless. Excuse me. And I, I still, I'm still not sold on the one of fire and ice, but whatever. It is kind of weird. What would you do? Second X as champion in that spot? I don't know. I just, I feel like your mana taxing game plan with playing a three drop equipment just doesn't, doesn't work synergistically. Yeah, but what else? All right, so we've got Stoneheart. This is oh no, it's spelled wrong. What happened? It's spelled with like letters or something. Ah, uh, is it still S T O? I don't know. I'm trying to find it. What were they playing? Here you go. Merfolk. <laughs> oh, fish. Okay. When was the last time you saw fish? Uh, Grand Prix Niagara. I lost my winning in D2. Against Merfolk? Yep. Oh, fuck. They played three Merfolk tricksters in a row on my Emerald. Oh, game that's right. One. Yep. And then they played a bunch of Merfolk. We don't need to talk about it. Bro, Luke. I've seen the stack. Luke is moving this week. The guy that you played at uh niagara the blue white delver player uh the okay yep i played him around four i remember that he's my buddy i was was salty about that he's a sir at bc but he is taking a new job is it really he can't come to cube this week so sad yeah i'm gonna miss luke luke poor we're not gonna pour one out because we're in my (laughs) office and i have carpet 
four benthic biromancers, four Corvalhelm commanders, mm-hmm. four lords of Atlantis, four master of the pearl Tridents, four Marfolk's trickster, four silver Galadapt, four Trinim's nemesis. This is fours. A lot of fours. It's but fours. A lot of fucking cards I've never seen in Merfolks before. Really? There's yeah. Where's the fucking curse catcher, bro? Like this is the biomancer is like replace curse catcher. Yeah. Almost well, overall. Yeah. It except it it doesn't do the same thing, but no, but it smooths out your your draws later. Yeah. And is generally a better one drop for the aggro game plan. Also, like people know to play around curse catcher out of Merfolk. So, like, the Curse Catchers were kind of, like, dead weight, right? This straight up relies on four Chalice and way more twos. The four Coralhelm Commander yeah. is different. Yes. But everything else is stock. There's a blue-green Merfolk Lord, and this deck contains four Waterlog Groves. Sometimes you have a Vile, and you don't even care about how many lands you have, right? But this, Sometimes does, more, you flunk. this does more than a Lord. Yep. I'm just surprised they didn't lean in. They have eight islands in this deck. What if you go like, you know, two islands, two traps, and then you have four waterlogged groves, not compromise your blue count at all. Your blue, you're only weaker to blood moon at that point. Yep. You're still okay. But you can just play that other two drop lord and just have it be a fucking lord when you drop it. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong about this. I feel like with the redundancy of lords in this deck, you can sequence so that your Coralhelm commander might be first and it eats the removal spell. Okay. I mean, I feel like adding a whole nother color pulls you in a different direction to where your mana base will probably suffer enough to where this would be better. Okay. So I'm not I'm not sure whether or not I'd make the swap, but um you could do it. And again, it's a fucking deck dump. And in the sideboard of this deck, there's two Venser <laughs> Shaper Savants. Yep. And uh, I don't know about that. So there's Caverns. I've always played decks that get fucking rocked by Merfolk, too. Yeah, I mean, Slivers, Fish, all of those tribal decks, you like, you bring a deck that you're like super tuned in on like the four color control and like the I'm going to win this fair game by like eking out my my cantrip better than my opponent and mana sequencing. And then your opponent plays like vile chalice one, two, three. And you're like, I just can't deal with that. I lose. Yeah, it's a deck like that. Yeah, it is. It's definitely praying. And maybe it's good right now. Something I certainly hadn't thought about in a while. So it's cool to see it show up now. The last deck in what I'm calling Tier 2 is Doped AFI, or perhaps Doped as Fuck I, or Doped Daffy, perhaps. Is, is there like an emo band called the AFI? Uh, there was a punk band called AFI. AFI, are they punk? They were a punk band. Punk? They were. I feel like AFI is like... They're like 2000s. Punk Alive in no, the 2000s? No, no, no. 2000s, bro. Fucking AFI. AFI, it, as our buddy Nate would say, because answer that and stay fashionable. Okay, so I see shit from AFI in like 2009. Yeah. They, That's not punk, man. That does not exist. That's not. That does punk. not exist. Answer that and stay fashionable. 
that shit's punk. And even Black Sails of Sunset, my favorite AFI album. Okay. The it's best concert I've punk. ever been to in my entire life was AFI. Mm. I'll just say that. Okay. So. I, I was at a 311 Jay-Z concert. And I was a participation. <laughs> I was. I was a participation. I was a participant in a dunk contest. I just want to let all nice. y'all know. All y'all know. I was a white kid, and I was in a dunk contest at a three eleven and Jay Z concert. True story. Sweet. Yep. Anyway, let's keep going. We got humans. Three eleven was an inside job. So <laughs> doped AFI humans. Your boy Yogmothran physician showed up in the main deck. Yo, can they even activate it? No. <laughs> no, we're good. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But they don't have to there's another cyborg card. We I just want to slap both of us on the backs for this one. Which what, one? What card in the cyborg did we give a quarter point to in our set review? Uh are we talking about Oofy? Yeah. Oh, it's seen playing a bunch of like Maverick. No, what the hell about fucking collector Oof? What are we talking about? Uh, force, force of virtue. Oh shit, the white one. Yeah. Force of virtue. There we go. High five. Right here, baby. Uh, Fucking get him, crusade. Yeah, we did give a quarter point because we we're like nobody's talking about this card. Nobody. But there is a world where, in a world full of minus one, minus one effects, you could see that shit. And this is humans. Right? With Ren. With, well, fucking Plague Engineer. Yep. Right? Plague Engineer. Like, it counters a Plague Engineer. Yep. So, there you go. I love this spot for it. I think this is exactly what we envisioned when we saw this review. And I think it's so cool that it's showing up here. Yep. And everybody was like, oh, that card is completely unplayable. And you were not completely right. Yep. Yep. It's just cool, man. I, I was just happy to see that. So that's li- literally all I want to talk about. Obviously, we've seen. I I really who, like Sanctum Prelate. Who in fucking five O's with that deck every week? Uh, the dude from California. Yeah, I can't remember his name, man. Eduardo. He's part. He's part of the Leaving Legacy group, and he knows a bunch of people. Ed something. I he's stomped me online a bunch of times. <laughs> I can't think of his fucking name. Yeah, I want to call him Eduardo for some reason. Yo, yo, yo so easy yo, eric so easy, eric yeah. something okay there you go that's the person that's the person who like developed and did all of this work on that deck yeah yeah that dude that's who i play against yeah. so yeah that dude it's pretty much a lot like that list so we don't need to really jump into it now we're in tier e yeah we've been in that shit for a while do you know what tier e even stands for no nah. experimentals okay Orum. What do you know about Orum? He's playing some sort of dredge graveyard base list. Control F. No. Holy shit. Nope. No dredge. He's playing Noxious Revival. Yep. So saying he's not playing a graveyard deck doesn't really <laughs> hold, right? He's got Pyromancer's Ascension and Noxious Revival. He's playing Blue-Red Delver, minus the Delvers. Actually, the only creatures are four young Pyromancers. But it's kind of like Blue-Red Delver with just four Pyromancer's Ascension. It's almost like he's playing modern Blue-Red Storm with no Storm cards. Exactly. So, 
okay. Like, what the fuck is this? So, like... Like, no phoenixes, no fucking... Like, any of the payoffs you'd expect. So you play your Pyromancer and if it doesn't die, you can't trip and kill him. Or you play an Ascension and play a long game and eventually cantrip into more Ascensions to bolt them? Like, yeah, you get to go down to 17 lands because you're playing all these cantrips and your threat base is light and Pyromancer's Ascension can't be plowed or whatever. Like, it's an enchantment. It can't be pushed. can't be rend. But, like... Like, what? Like, what? So, yeah, the I... ways that you end games with this deck are four bolts and four young Pyromancers. That's it. Yes. End story. Yep. That's it. It's really surprised me, this deck. So, it's got four pierce. Yep. And it does a very good job of controlling the early game. Yeah. I I don't think this is a legacy deck. Yeah. I mean, I feel like those young pyromancers feel out of place. Yep. But having pyromancer ascension be your only win condition seems kind of loose. So I understand why it's split. But, man, if... If those young pyromancers... No. I was about to say if they were mentors. mentors. I th- that's yeah. the first thing I thought when I looked at this deck, too. Like, why aren't those but, mentors? But it's an extra mana. Yep. And then you have to be able to untap to be able to make them work. So they still die to removal like the pyromancers do. So you at least you get a 1-1 one, one if you cast the pyromancer on 3 and cantrip. I don't know. All right, so there's not something that you know about this deck that I don't like. No. Nope. Oh, you can lap with Pyromancer Ascension once you have 10 counters and triple cast the spell. There's not something like that it's stupid that I'm missing about well, this Well, I deck. mean, like, if you have two. Yeah, if you have two. And that yeah. are active, you get the triple cast. But, like, no. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I was really confused by this list. You, me, and Iowa. So, this deck, bro, I've never seen this in Legacy. Have you? Mm, let me find it. Do you know what it is? Five letters begins with the M. Two card Monty? Yep. Okay. Have you ever seen um, this? I've seen it in Vintage plenty. So I, I have not seen it in Legacy because it's bad. There's this card, Plunge into Darkness. You know what that is? No. Never seen that before. It's from Kamigawa. It's a, it's a demonic tutor that's legal in Legacy somehow. Okay. I mean, I... No. This deck isn't real. Do you think that this deck has a higher win percentage than Expansion Inquisition? Maybe, but they're both bad. Both less than Belcher. Okay. Alright, I'll give you that. So, like, if you're going to play a deck like this, you should probably be better than Belcher. Alright, so let's say you're playing against Hogak Depths. Resolve Mulligans... Put in a ley line on the board. Mm-hmm. Good right now. Fine. Good right now. There's yep. Charmoglyphs again. There's Jidhor Arcanist. There's you, Rens. You just get Depsed. A lot of how good Monty or like Hell Miracles or whatever the fuck is, is how good is Leyline of the Void, right? Right. And I feel like Leyline of the Void is really fucking good right now. So. But is it? That's. That's my interpretation. Okay. So. For Leyland to be good, I feel like the other deck... All right, hold on. 
I'm pouring this. You all have listened to us insufferably drink through quite a few. I'm only on five. Uh, I'm behind. You are. Uh, regardless, look. Leyline's great when you're playing against a bunch of one-dimensional graveyard decks. And all the graveyard decks now don't seem to be one-dimensional. Well, like you literally the, can't cast Hogak with the Leyline in play. Right, but the Hogak Depths deck, you just fucking... Depths you Depths them? Right. Yeah. But can you Depths them faster than a two-card Monty? Can two-card Monty? Probably. Well, I guess with thought. This is like a shit. gimpy two-card Monty. So this deck has Painter Servant. It's got two its own, of them. It's got its own depth shit going on, so you can just stage their depths if necessary. Okay. It's, it's got the ill-gotten gains, Spanish Inquisition angle. It's got Echo of Eons, and then it's got the. Uh, I said Grandstone Painter already, right? Yep. So that's what this deck is doing, and it's also got a Storm Kill. So, pretty sweet. I feel like in broadening your horizons. To include you, me, and Iowa in your kill conditions, you gimp <laughs> each and every one, right? Like, you have a plan oh, yeah. A and a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. But that's what two-card Monty is. But, like, they're not... No, usually two-card Monty is, like, you have all these combos. When you look at your opening hand, you're like, I can do that, and you do it. Yeah. Right? I this is. But I feel like looking at your opening hand... And seeing that you might have like a storm kill and then drawing a fucking painter servant is just, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, yeah. it doesn't work that way. I feel you. Or you're like, oh, I just need like one more blue cantrip I got this. to be able to, okay. I need one more spell to be able to go off and you draw a ley line of the void. Anna's pissed twice from five Miller Lights. I just want to let the Discord know this cast is a fucking shit show and it's Brian's fault. What's that in uh, beers? Twelve? One beer? Oh. Yeah. Right. It is one... Hold on. Let me look. White Claw has... Okay. Nope, I'm good. The diabetes. I oh. shouldn't be drinking like this because of the diabetes, but patrons, patrons demanded it. <laughs> Um, is that why you're drinking white claw? No, it's not. It should be. Yeah. But hard alcohol actually has less sugar than the white claw. True. But I wasn't about to break out like the really nice scotch. The I meant to bring. Hour. I meant to bring Jameson with me. I forgot. Ah, we could have. We could have had it. Oh, you stopped oh. recording. Right. Uh, okay. So I stopped and I saved it so we wouldn't lose it. This nice, is a pretty. It was a pro move. Are we at one hour and forty seven minutes? Yeah, we've been listen. We've been drinking Holy shit. for an hour and 47 minutes, stumbling through. Let's look at this deck and look at this deck. Oh, my God, dude. And look at this deck. It's fucking bad, man. Yeah, that's awful. I'm sorry. No, we're good. Last, Brian, last Brian asked for it. The, la the very last deck, then. Oviate. Not opiate for you Tool fans out there. Tool, Tool. on Spotify, Streaming. as yep. of this week... If if you are a Tool fan, there are some videos of little kids in a music academy covering some fucking Tool songs. They do 46 and 2, and 
obviously nothing is greater than tools uh parabola and parable and 46 and 2 and some fucking oh man enema that's the best okay any fucking time any fucking day so <laughs> ovate you ever seen this o-v-a-t-e so this is depths i want you yep. to see this okay green white depths no black i mean there's a bazooka bag but Ooh. green white depths okay so it's maverick depths it's got four giver of runes four giver of runes so you're not getting fucking punked by a wren and that's all i can think of keeper okay well like you're not getting punked by wren but also you're able to like protect your depths when you make it yep and have like a maverickish game plan all right great it's fairly good yeah okay i think this actually deserves some real thought like i also do i like this way more than the other ones wow it might be the claw but uh it's got a better green zenith package yes much you have you have a better like natural curve without relying on the depths plan exactly you you don't have something like bob but you have four knight of the reliquary along with the green zenith package you have eight knight of the reliquary yeah i mean i like this yeah i kind of want to include like a mana dork like i wish it had some number of hierarch death rate shaman i mean death rate shaman would be nice but yeah i do i understand what you're saying i really like this list me too because i think that we're gonna add hierarch and brainstorm to this list and we're gonna fucking win grand prix atlanta even though neither of us are going yeah it's unfortunate maybe you don't need the hierarch with mox diamond so you i really like thalia's in sideboard yep me too Ooh. Okay. No chalices in the sideboard. I like this list. Me too. So your only ones are crop rotations and giver of runes. But oh, crop rotation's so important. It is, yeah. So I can see no chalices in the board. But this deck it seems really powerful. It seems really resilient. And maybe this is not the right deck for a line of mulligan, but I would like to give it a try. Yeah. I've drafted, so I ran out of packs online. <laughs> Finally. After yep. weeks. Yo, I haven't opened Magic Online in such a long time. <sighs> Whereas, let me see. How much updating do I have to do? Which one is it? That one? No. That one. Oh. 216 actually that's not the bad that's not the worst it's just step one yeah oh okay so bro how fucking triggered do you get when people say when people are bitching about like oh my god arena won't work for me or whatever and they're like it's still in beta does that trigger you uh it doesn't trigger me but basically they rolled it out as we're in beta to be able to deflect all the questions about it fucking up and they've had like infinite fucking pro ams or whatever the fuck they call them yeah with like they invite fucking people and they have they they pay like places to embed the stream and have 150,000 viewers and they're like oh and also we're in beta but we're having our fucking biggest event of the year on it 
that fucking drives me crazy when they're like, oh, it's still in beta, though. It's like, no, it's not in beta when you're having your fucking Pro Tours on it. It's true. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking that. Okay. No, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's a nice workaround yeah. for the people who are still holding the flag. But, yeah. 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 I, I don't know, man. I haven't, I haven't, still haven't played Arena, but I ran out of packs finally. I went out, like, a, my, I dropped still, 100. Still M20? I dropped 100 rating points, bro. Okay. It's, it's crazy. Like, when you, it sucks now that there's not, like, competitive and intermediate league. Now that there's just league. Mm-hmm. Like, once you break, like, 1820 or whatever, you have to, going 2-1 loses you points. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you have to, like, 303 out like go on a nice run to get to really get your elo up at right. that point like it's so frustrating going 2-1 and losing elo but when you when you go 2 then you drop fucked on elo right so i lost like 100 points okay and i was done i was just gonna start stop drafting m20 and then fucking teabag tom drafts m20 and 3-0s so then i have to go answer it yep so i had 3-0s last night Okay. And then now I'm back to drafting M20. Like fucking drafty boy. Yep. You're a drafty boy. <sighs> yeah. So those questions that Brian Bradshaw had, our comrade. Yes. He had many about miracles. And is he a miracle? He didn't strike me as a miracles player. No, but he's now trying to convert. What was he before? He was playing Dredge before. Oh, okay. So he's trying to consume as much content as he can to get the best at what he's doing, which is the, which is great. He's trying to consume as much Richardson's as he can, too. Well, we were both at Richardson's at the same time. Yeah. Man, same time. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Did you say hi? No, I didn't see him. He but... posted on Facebook that he was there on the inside while I knew I was there at the outside <laughs> with my kid watching the cows and see, all the I've animals. Been, I've been at Richardson's a lot, bro. All right. I married a girl from Danvers, so. There you go. Yep. Mini golf, driving range, batting cage, homemade ice cream. It's fucking great. So basically, this dude used to play dredge. Now he wants to be a barnacle turd. Play miracles. Oh, man. What? No, barnacle turd. Like, I play miracles. I play miracles. Okay. Not barnacle turds. No, I'm I'm just saying it's a term of endearment. (sighs) Like, it's miracles, you know? It's like... You're the bad guy. This is what it is. It's not like it was, though. No, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. It is not the same. But he does. He does. So. Wow. There we go. Hold on. Nice. Just let me accept. I think I remember my password. Bro, birthing pod is the splash right now. Legacy cube. Oh, yeah. But, like, the splash art on the login is Birthing Bob. So, I haven't logged into MTGO since they changed this whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Where did they show your rating? Uh, gear. Gear? Okay, gear. Game history. Okay. okay. That's uh, a good rating, bro. My construct is fucking trash. That's a really good rating. Yeah. Fucking 1873. Yeah. Very nice. I was just over 1850 and dropped all the way down to 1740. Oh, man. Yep. I gotta get rid of this shit. Oh, what's this? Oh, no, don't open it! Why? What do you mean don't Sell open it. it? Sell it! Sell it! How many tickets is it? 
I don't know, point two. Fuck it. Open it. There's never anything good in those things. What do we got? You're a right. license disintegration. You're right. Shh. Shh. Look at this. You want to see this? Look at that. What is that? That's a special ticket. How'd you get that? How do you... I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell the cat. How did you get that thing? It's fucking... That's fucked up, yeah. bro. There you go. All right. So these questions from Brian Bradshaw. In the sideboard, when should... Uh, I just missed it. Well, here. It's right okay. here. You want me to blow it up? Are we at the point where I need to cut and paste? And... Is countering cantrips ever right? Yes. Obviously. When? Okay. When you are... One turn away from winning, your opponent's hellbent, they draw a cantrip, they cast it, you can counter it, you counter it. Obviously. That's one case. So that defeats the, is it ever right? Yes, it's right. Sometimes when you're playing a Delver Mirror with Stifle and Wasteland and you've narrowed your opponent down to one land and they're cantripping into trying to find a second one, countering it is correct. Uh, there's a ton of times where countering the cantrip makes sense. Sometimes it can storm early on. Yeah. You might feel like you need to save your daze or your pierce to be able to hit their more important piece, but those pieces never really work in hitting their more important pieces. So if you have a tempo board, counter it and then try to get another turn from it. The majority of times I've countered cantrips has been against storm. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely say that. And, like, really, what kind of uncounterable threats do you worry about? Like, it, okay, if somebody has a fucking Besaju in play and there's Tika Shell, and they don't tap the Besaju to cast it, yeah, then you counter it. Yeah, snap that shit off, because you're not going to be able to counter whatever they get. Right. Like, these are there's some very obvious scenarios, or like the Hellbet scenario that Tom talked about before. Like, there are some very obvious scenarios where, yes, you counter that shit because you can, and because you can't counter the other things. If, if somebody's playing Shifting Ceratops or somebody's, I don't know, like, what the fuck is uncounterable, right? Like, against, like, a cavern deck, like, that that Urza cavern deck, if they're cantripping or something. Like, there's times when you think that the spell that they're going to cast would be uncounterable or a storm spell. And this is why I say storm is the, the, the deck I've countered cantrips against the most, because you can't force the, the fucking Empty the Warrens or the... Uh, to tendrils so you can only force one copy of those spells so those would be the the instances that don't fall into the the very defined scenarios where i have counter cantrips and i've been wrong and i've been right you know it's, it's a it's a read that you have to make sometimes where you can be wrong but you make the you make the what you consider the best play with the information you have I agree. All right. Wrap. What else? What's the next easiest question? <laughs> um, in the main board for the current metagame, does back to basics have a spot? I think, okay, I won two matches this weekend. Yep. With my artist constructed deck based on this against legacy decks based on the strength of back to basics. Yeah, but like possibly the strongest card of all time. I think in Miracles, it's tougher because you have to choose between Teferi Narset and Back to Basics. So you are oh shit. You are 
limiting your choices in the three drop non-interactive spots between those. So you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to play Narset to Fairy or Back to Basics. I think Back to Basics could demand a spot, but that Planeswalker package is super, super nice. Right? It is, yeah. No, but okay, in the Stoneblade list that we've seen recently, yeah. have not included Back to Basics. Yeah. And it shocked me, man, because it seems like why not take those free wins, right? Like, you don't have any other free win buttons. Yep. Same thing with Miracles. Like, what's your what's your free win button? What's your I win button? Like, jam a fucking back to basics. Like, it's it's pretty fucking close to free if I want it. But I, I think the four color lists now, they have enough basics to where they can play around back to basics. Well, the Astrolabe list. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you're, if you're thinking about where back to basics shines. Yep. You're talking about post. You're talking about four rug. color, no Astrolab. Yeah. But like even like the rug tempo builds, it's a three drop. Yeah. Like it's it's unlikely to be able to affect the game. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. I still think it's a super powerful card. But but you have to you have a deck building restriction with the other planeswalkers you can play in that spot. I think most people right now are playing Teferi and Narset and eschewing back to basics. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely so, true. And obviously they have more reps than me right now because I haven't repped back to basics at all recently. Mm-hmm. So I would think that it was A, a good time for it, and B, the correct thing to do to play it. But the results don't seem to be backing that up right now. So I guess start with none. Start with them in the sideboard, maybe. And like, like Daps, bro. Like fucking Daps, bro. Is it is it great against them? It's not great, but it's good. I mean, it's better. Is it better than uh, Counterbalance? Uh, Counterbalance. Uh, Counterbalance does a pretty good job with their ones. I don't know. Like, it get, pretty sure ones get under Counterbalance for the first time. Yeah. All right, but Miracle is playing that long game where counterbalance, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it, it has recurring value. Yep, hundred percent. Um, okay. What cantrips are preferred if you're running counterbalance in the main deck? Okay, look. Brainstorm. Number one is brainstorm, the best. Ponder. You should never go below four and four. Remember when they used to? Remember, like, it wasn't until Grand Prix New Jersey that anybody played four ponders in in Miracles. Really? Yeah. Oh. That fucker. Like, before Grand Prix New Jersey, I swear to God, nobody played Four Ponders in Miracles. Okay. Anyway. So, four and four. And then, I feel like Preordain should at least go up to a three of. Now, you have the card advantage cantrips that I'm not sure if he's talking about. Like, AK, Predict. I don't I don't look at those as cantrips. I look at those as card advantage engines. Yeah. So, at least four Brainstorm, at least four Ponder, and then... You have the other ones. Yep. Right? What are the other ones? Portent? Well, okay. So you have you have preordain versus portent, and then you have AK versus predict in that two cost card advantage pull ahead. Yep. Sort of idea. So I it depends on your shell. Depends on like how much room you have. The AK package takes up more. Yep. But is better yep i don't know i 
when I've played, I played two leagues with Miracles in the past month. Yep. I played uh, two Portent and two Predict to have to save the room, like versus playing AK. Okay. To be to play five Planeswalkers and I like Portent over Preordain. That's my personal preference. Really? Yeah. You can set up Terminuses that way. You can uh, stack your counterbalance that way. You know, kind of. You mean kind of? Portent's still a sorcery. Yeah. No, no, you can't like respond, but you can stack it. Like versus preordain. Like preordain, you have to keep top top to stack your counterbalance. Okay, I understand. And you don't always want to keep top top. Most yep. of the time, you don't want to keep top top. So portent. You can like set up your counterbalance and then still shuffle the cards away or whatever, you know? Yep. Like I I prefer Portent to Preordain. I have very little experience with the deck compared to, say, like uh, Lawrence or Anonor, somebody who actually knows the deck really well. And I see a lot of them, like, a lot of times people split like one Preordain, one Portent, stuff like that. So there's obviously merits to playing Preordain. It's better at like digging to land. Like your second land drop, you can't hit that with a portent because you're drawing it during their upkeep. Yep. So, like, there's merits when you're going low on lands to playing preordain, and I'm sure there's other scenarios that I'm not quite as familiar with. Like, probably with involving mentor, preordain is better for like mentor chains. But you know, I I'm partial to portent personally. You can portent your opponent too. Yep. That's pretty sweet. Absolutely. All right. Did yesterday. Uh, blah blah. Is Blessed Alliance too cute? Yes. What the fuck would you even use that for? Uh, as an extra sacrifice and attacking creature. And just life play Celestial gain. Purge right now. Yeah, but there's no life gain flexibility. I just I I don't I don't okay. think that card is okay. Um, blah blah blah. I'm a big fan of Celestial Purge right now. Hmm. Hmm. How? Oh, yeah. Is it worth running Lightning Bolt in a blue, white, red list? I think if you're doing that, you're playing Stoneblade, yeah. not Miracles. 100%. And so, like Arcanist. Like, if I were. So there's this dude uh, that. that uh, Dkeds. You know that dude? Yeah. He's playing a blue, white, red Stoneblade list. Yep. Whereas Creature Suite is like Arcanist, Snapcaster, Mentor. Mm. No Stoneforge? Uh, okay, just yeah. value? Okay. Did I say Stoneblade? Okay. No. You, well, you, blue or red? You said it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I assume Stoneblade. So he's playing Arcanist, Stoneforge, Mentor. And I actually really like this list. I want to try it, actually. But it's like three plows and four bolts, you know? Yep. And it actually seems pretty sweet. Like, it seems like you go a little bit over Delver, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just a sweet-looking deck. And that's where I want to be with, like, Blue, White, Red, Lightning Bolt. Okay. Not in Miracles. Certainly not in Miracles. Like, you could just play Path, like, if you want to play, like, the next removal spell. And you're not... Like, the clock is never... You're never like, God, if I could just force through that last point of damage when you're in Miracles play. Yeah. Like, that probably is, like one in like 80 matches you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that's so fucking rare because you deal a lot of burst damage or or win by like fucking effectively effectively decking them yeah you know i mean like lightning bolt is just a bad path 
Okay. Do you think a 3-2 split of force, force of negation is better than a 4-1 split? Yeah. No, 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 no. I've been thinking about it a lot. Force, no, force of will is just strictly better. No, you, hard casting it? Yeah, oh. How often are you using that for fucking hard cast value? Way more than I thought. That's why I kind of like the 3-2 split now. I don't. I haven't had any experience with it, but in my opinion, your force of will is your force of will. And if you are in the position to where a force of negation hard cast on three would change the game, it's a really weird game. I I, don't know. I think... So, all right, main deck, I don't think I would ever do that. But, and and I guess that's what this question is, right? Yeah. But in cyborg games, I've done it a lot. I've done it a lot. Like sideboarded out of force in a force of negation? Yes, exactly that. Okay. When, when games are combo matchups, when games are slowing down and even in mid range, like uh, pseudo mirrors, like against Crisis Control or something like that, where you're like, okay, I'm going to get that Colagon's command. But I'm not going to two for one myself doing it. Okay. I'm going to three mana force and negation that shit. Get it out of the game so they can't snap it back because it's a fucking dissolve. Mm-hmm. Force negation can be pretty fucking good there. Okay. Can miracles beat burn? If so, how? So back in the day, when I played miracles, you had a card called Sensei's Divining Top. <laughs> and uh, you never lost to burn. So when I read this question, I was like, man, things have probably changed. I, uh, you have to clock them, right? Like, you can't just keep a counterbalance up and continue to counter your burn opponent's spells. Plus, they have that four, sorry, that four damage, three mana spell that you can't counter. Exquisite firecraft. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's bad. But I feel like Brian's playing in a meta where there might be a few burn players yep. where he just doesn't beat. So if you want to beat burn in a local meta, play fucking cop red. Just yeah. spend spend a sideboard spot or two in circle of protection red and watch your burn opponent shit themselves when you fucking cast it. They're not being cop red. They're not being chill. Like you can just put these cards in your sideboard and just fuck them up. But, like, that's kind of like, it's kind of a cop out answer. It is. No, it's pun, it's no literally, pun intended. Literally a cop out answer. Yeah. I mean, really? Can current miracles beat burn? Uh, I would have thought so. So, right? first of all, you're miracles. So, you're going to get a bunch of basics and you're going to totally fade price progress. You're going to just dead two cards. They can't brainstorm. So, what they draw them, they're stuck with them. You're not stuck with shit. You have all these main deck counter spells. If they know what but deck, but do you really? But if so, that's the thing. Well, if they know what deck you're on, you know what deck they're on. You kind of don't because they don't have to play into soft counter magic, right? So, if you're playing like a sort of an inbred incestuous situation where they know what you're on and they're not going to play into a pierce, they're just going to run out creatures at first and then build up some mana and then you know kill you then you have some dead cards i can see how that can be tough i can see how that matchup can be tough <sighs> board in your surgicals for that exquisite firecraft that's just a jola set special because that card fucks that card gets you 
So I think current miracles versus burn is probably really tough because yeah. you don't have a clock. Yeah. You don't have a ton of interaction. You're not set up to beat burn. You're not. And if you are in a meta with a bunch of burn, play some cards they can't beat. Play Cop Red. Yeah. Play fucking go play Core Firewalker if you want to. <sighs> I play that at Grandpa New Jersey. Yeah, literally. Just it's fucking like, throw it in your sideboard. It's a sick card. And be on the play and fetch a Tundra and then cast Core Firewalker and just like yeah. look at your burn opponent. You have options if you're in a small meta and you want to yeah. to beat them. If you're going to a big tournament, ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Anyway. And I get paired against it every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I totally agree with that. And is Teferi Time Raveler good enough for a spot in the main board? Yeah. It's a great card. It's a great card. I'm, I wonder, though. I'm, I, I still played one in my main board. It's awesome to have that main board catch-all, especially if you're going down to one council's judgment. But I do see how it's turning out to be a little better in like the proactive decks, like the the in fact we see it showing up in. Yep. Like Some sort of show and tell. Protecting, yes, protecting yep. combos, stuff like that, like City of Solitude mode. Where with Miracles, is that really what you want in your main board? But you still get to have that effect. And do you value things like bounce your Snapcaster? Yeah. Bounce your Narset to continue to minus. You know, also does that like, Jace to Mind Sculpture. It's true. Some crazy stuff. I I personally am not high on Jace right now. So I've been playing two Jace and one Teferi for the times I did play Miracles. But I, I, would, I would not be shocked if, you know... Three months from now, we find out that it's correct to just have it in the sideboard. All right. Well, I think it is worth consideration. Yep. So, oh, there we go. 100%. 100%. Um, what is, else can we answer? Is Entreat the Angels... Why is Entreat the Angels not played anymore? I don't know. I always loved the one of. Yeah, me too. Because you had that... All right. I can sculpt the game to the spot where... I miracle it and step and then crush you. Yep. But it's harder now. And I feel like the games for miracles are you're fighting more over the beginning of the game. Yes, that's than that's the, the thing. The games are compressed so, right now. I would hundred percent agree with that. The games are very compressed right now into like what happens on turns one through three dictate the entire game. Yep. So, Entreat the Angels is just a dead card, right? And Mentor kind of is, too. But Entreat the Angels is really just a super dead card in the early game. So, I I don't... We're, we're kind of the wrong person. We should we should answer these questions with like someone like Lawrence on the cast, right? Maybe, maybe next time. Holy shit, we're at two hours <sighs> and 20 minutes... This, I, this flew. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm only on six. I'm about to six. So Ian failed power hour. I failed power hour. He is half speed. Yes. But I'm double speed. Legitimately half speed. So no, we're, you're, you're actual speed and I'm half speed. You're right. You're right. Yeah. All right. So 
what do you think about this tagline for a podcast? What do you think about the podcast that's the sworn enemy of pomposity, lying, and groupthink? I mean, I think those are three words. Are we that? <laughs> I don't know. Are we that? Because we're like, <laughs> we're on the internet a fucking ton, right? <laughs> and we like read what other people think. And it just gets. I've never read what other people think. If there's a, <laughs> if there's a thread that possibly references us, I would never click on that. I've never read what other people. Okay, think. listen, not what people think about us, but what people think in general. You have never read anything about what people think about our podcast. Oh, okay, not about a podcast, just in oh. general. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, like, the whole world is what people think. That's right? what I'm fucking saying. It's the world. You can't be immune to groupthink. No, but we're the sworn enemy of it, right? Are we? I don't know. Are we? I, I don't think, know. I think I, think I feel be. like us creating content perpetuates like, groupthink. Like, I feel like we're specifically not listening to other podcasts. We're specific, or maybe you are. I don't know. Well, no, I haven't had time to. I haven't had time either. So we're specifically just out on our fucking specific island doing... In the specific ocean. In the specific ocean. Watch out for the sharks. Doing our our own thing. And like, we have all this knowledge. You have a lot of older knowledge. I have a lot of like, a little bit of knowledge. And we pack that into a ball of our thoughts. And sometimes our thoughts are probably just going to overlap and you're going to be like, God, I just heard this on fucking uh, Eternal Masters or whatever the fuck the other podcasts are called. They're all called Eternal Something. I just heard this on Eternal <laughs> Something last week. And like, they're just copying those guys. No, we're fucking not because we don't listen to shit. Like, we're fucking island, bro. If I'm listening to a podcast, I'm falling asleep. It's so many insane plays and I'm going to sleep and I'm out within five minutes. I have no fucking idea what any any other motherfuckers are saying about anything. What was the question? Yo, you you said that our tagline should be "We are," <laughs> and you said you said three words, and I was like, "No, I maybe some of those words." We are. We have our own opinions, and we do not hold back. And, uh... Bro, is this legacy meta ever gonna settle? No. That, yes! Yes! I thought you were gonna say yes. No. Wizards Wizards realize they need to monetize eternal player bases by inserting powerful That's enough cards. Fact. That's a fact. But, I don't think they exactly intended this. Uh... I think they would prefer if it were to settle, and then they inject. And then it settles, and they inject. And then it settles, and they inject. So they like did too much. I think that they actually got spun out a little bit out of control on them. We'll see what happens. But in every set that's coming out, they're doing a ton to make it fucking yeah. matter. So I, I feel like they're trying to pull everybody who was monetarily out of the loop yep. back in. Yeah, hundred percent. And they're gonna they're gonna try to overshoot what they think to make sure that continues to happen yeah so and they did it 100 percent did it with ren with plague engineer with force negation force negation was awesome thank you but with ren with plague engineer 
with fucking Veil of Summer. I don't even know. They must have known. But, like, they the meta right now, we see this in the deck dump. It's fucking wild. There's the decks you'd expect, but then there's a lot of decks you don't expect. There's just, like, what's the fucking best deck right now? Um, four color Ren Dreadhorde dot deck. Delver? Ugh. I don't know. Is it Delver? Is it not? I'm playing four color Delver. Bro, I open up hands all the time. This is my opening hand with four color Delver. Every fucking game. Volcanic Island. Wasteland. Days. Delver. Ponder. Bolt. Abrupt Decay. <laughs> I'm two lands off casting that fucking abrupt guy. Yep. Every but game. You still have a super functional hand. I win games. I win games where I just have a dead card in my hand all game. Yep. I shuffle it, it, it away might, when I It can. might be four color Astrolab control with Ren. And I feel like that's a more cohesive deck yeah. than the four color Delver. It might be. And that might be the answer. Maybe the fucking best deck is a deck that nobody's even thought, thought about. Maybe it has a whole guy's depths. Maybe the best deck is fucking Stoneblade and nobody's playing it. Like, maybe the best deck, you know? Yeah. Like, is there a best deck? I don't know. I'm not sure that the meta's ever going to settle again. People play weird shit online. Sometimes you join a league and you just play against, like, Red, Black, Green, Mary three times. Sometimes you join a league and you just play against, like, fucking four decks that you never even heard of. And it's just nonsense. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just, it's just fucking, is it ever going to settle? I completely co-sign that. Not right now. Yep. It's not. All right. Not so we have been recording for two and a half hours. Good work. Fuck. Tom Stevens joke. How can people? How can people get in touch with you on Twitter if <sighs> they want to talk to you about your attitudes towards being unbiased and unshook and unflinching? In a wave of public opinion. <laughs> <laughs> At Ian18125. And if people want to talk to you to find out what the best flavor of white... What's the best flavor of White Claw? Yo, Black Cherry. So far, what? Black, black Cherry. Che- Everybody says Mango. Oh, I haven't had Mango. You have? Well, no, I don't know. Hold on. Is... Yep. Clementine. Ugh. I don't know if I had Mango. I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking at the flavors as I drank them. There's a lot here. Fuck. What's your favorite flavor of diet cancer? The kind I don't have. Is that what that stuff's made of? Yeah. I don't know. Fuck. All right. Everybody, good night. No, you didn't say your fucking Twitter name. Fucking at TSmileyMTG. What's the cast? Dead Format Cast. Dead Format Cast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Did we get any emails this week? Nope. Do we have any new patrons this week? Nope. Do we have any similar? I don't know what you said. All right. That's a wrap. Peace.